Hello. You have stumbled upon a new podcast. This podcast is looking at relationships or human interactions as viewed through an art form. That art form can be a film, a book, a short story, a music video. It could even be, you know, a, a painting or a, or a statue. Usually the relationship that I'm focusing on is not necessarily the primary focus of the work. It tends to be the secondary. I tend to like the secondary stories a little bit more, uh, unless it's, you know, a short story or a music video where there's not usually a, a lot of sidelines. And they're not necessarily romantic relationships, and they're a little bit more likely to not be romantic. As much as I like rom-coms, romance is currently dead to me, so... Uh, so I'm more likely to look at different types of relationships. Now those relationships can be between people or they can just be a person interacting with the outside or with the inside world. So welcome to Bittersweet Ramblings. Today I'm going to talk about the 1992 Francis Ford Coppola version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Francis Ford Coppola's version of Dracula is a, a movie version that I have a great affection for. I love all of the old school practical effects. The cinematography and the costumes are just stunning. The, uh, the music too just really ties into the story and, and brings out, brings more to it. It brings character to that film. But that added in reincarnated love story is just fucked up. <laughs> It is it's an attempt to make a complete and utter monster into a romantic lead, which Dracula is not, because Dracula is a monster who destroys lives without regard to anything but his own wants and needs. The story is not a romance. It is a tale of something otherworldly coming in and taking away other people's right to self. And he slinks in by using sexuality to do it so that instead of being open about what's happening to them, they feel shame or embarrassment and are less likely to talk about it. I mean, if you have a bruise on your arm, you're more likely to show someone and ask them if, you know, hey, is this in the shape of a dragon? You know, something along those lines. But if it's something that seems sexualized or something that you can't explain but you're embarrassed about, you're less likely to bring it to someone's attention. And then Dracula, he does. He comes and he takes control of people's minds. And he takes control of their minds for a very important reason. That reason is Dracula's hungry and you are lunch. And, and the mind control that he had, it was like, it's like if you look in real life at these sort of zombie parasites or these, these insects that control you so they can attack you, that's essentially what he is. He, he's not human. It's at this point in time, just something that needs to take life from something else. By the way, have you seen any of these zombie parasites? You, you, you put zombie parasites into Google, you're going to have all kinds of nightmares. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. Like, for example, these ones. Now, I'm not a fan of roaches. I'm going to put myself down as not a roach booster. Not a fan. Do not like them. But they have these things called emerald uh, cockroach wasp, and they are nasty. <laughs> like, they they shoot the roach full of chemicals, and they basically those chemicals take over the brain. 
So they use this, this sort of chemically induced mind control over the roach. Then they go and they cut off its antenna and then they, they just sort of grab it and lead it to a nest and they, they lay their eggs around it and the roach just sits there. The roach is still alive. The roach just sits there and then it the eggs hatch and all of the wasp larvae eat it alive. It's horrifying and it actually makes me feel somewhat bad for cockroach um which i did not think was possible at all because roaches but yeah genuinely feel kind of bad for them and this is what dracula is doing to these people dracula is eating them alive it's destroying families he's destroying their futures and doesn't care about it because he's not human anymore it's a shell of a human but there's something else in there and then some of the worst parts are where they have those few moments where the victims think that they can break free and they realize what they've been doing they realize what's happening and that's really awful because it gives them the hope that they might get away he he dangles hope in front of them like a life preserver you know in front of someone drowning and then just kind of whisk it away or like you know one of those toy machines with mechanical arms where you think you're going to get the stuffed unicorn but you never get the stuffed unicorn because it's a trick to take your quarters it'd make you sad and dracula does this for his own amusement because he was bored and he was getting by in transylvania fine he had access to food he had access to shelter and he had a bunch of followers but after years of boredom and just not keeping himself up he found something new and you know renfield jonathan and lucy caught the brunt of it because they were the first ones who he ran across who entertained him or who he needed something uh, more than blood from and they're sort of like the first new toys to catch his attention after years of dormancy like you know a cat with a mouse the cat's just sitting there just sadistically beating it to death because they already had lunch so instead of eating it they drag it to your bedroom then they get bored with the mouse and they let the mouse loose in your bedroom even though their only job is to defeat rodents so you end up sleeping in the living room because your cats are idiots but can you imagine knowing that something horrible is happening but someone has just messed with your mind enough that you don't care if something took you over or controlled your mind or replaced you with something that looked like you and can you think of how long it would take before somebody close to you would really notice how far from normal would you need to act before someone noticed and not just noticed but actually said something or did something about it if something could erase you and put a facsimile of you in front of your friends and family, would they notice or would they just think you're going through a thing and kind of drift away? You know, hey, sis, if you see me shoving rubber bands up my nose, buying like a sheep for an hour, let's just go ahead and assume it's not me and that I've been taken over by aliens or a parasite or something. I don't care what I did in my younger days. I've matured somewhat. Could, you know, just go ahead and set up some signals. Like if I blink 20 times and hit my head against the wall five times, there's something else in there. Could you call for help? It's not really me. 
or something's trapped me. You know, help. If Dracula would have been more interested in making his victims fit in better with society, he probably could have carried on a bit longer. He just didn't care if they fit in or not. So in this version of Dracula, we have this romance, quote unquote romance, where Dracula makes Mina forget that she witnessed him violating the mind of raping and eating her friend when she went to look for her in the garden. He abused or used his ability to erase what Mina sees to change an event in her mind that would greatly affect her perception of him. Like, nothing screams romance like mind manipulation. That's not out of love. That is out of love of control. And as far as the romance in this version of Dracula, do you know what screams solid relationship material getting mad because you a ridiculously old and deranged creature have idealized someone and reimagined her as your reincarnated lover then creating a relationship between you and her that doesn't exist because regardless of if somebody spent time with you or not the person who you want wants someone else because your version of the past relationship didn't happen in the way you imagined it's the violent, horrifying, bloody version of what a fool believes. The old creep probably dreamed the whole Mina and I were in love crap at his own head. Then, because Dracula was pissed that Mina went ahead and married someone else, someone who had an actual relationship with her, and someone who was an actual partner. You know, someone not a sadistic, vile, narcissistic monster. Because he's pissed about that, what does Dracula do to show how much he loves and cares? He attacks her friend, Lucy, violating and murdering her best friend and most generous supporter. Because that friend of hers happens to be in the same town as him. And because that's just not enough, he turns Lucy into a monster. A monster who hunts small children because that's basically what she is. She's a child herself. And because he can't just destroy and desecrate her life, he has to defile her in death as well. Yeah, that's, that's a prince. Who wouldn't want that gem of a guy? Now, in this story, Mina is dutiful and hardworking and very much in love with her fiancé and very demure. She's the picture of respectability. I appreciate that these qualities make it easier for her to be a sympathetic victim or heroine in the story. But is there any way that anyone but Jonathan would be helping her out if it wasn't for her connection to Lucy? The majority of the group going after Dracula is out for revenge for what he did to Lucy. And you get the definite feeling that Lucy livened Mina up. Like, a lot. And Mina, Mina and Jonathan are pretty much made for each other. They are stunning and proper and devoted to one another. And they tell everybody how devoted they are to one another a lot. Like, Jonathan travels through this gorgeous and exotic and completely different land and culture. And he spends a ton of time writing to Mina about the food and asking for recipes for her. Yes, yes, there are mountains and woods and streams and picturesque towns and trains going over huge canyons and a vastly different population with different beliefs and different dancing and different culture. But Jonathan just wants to talk about the cabbage dish because he loves the cabbage. 
Mina and Jonathan are like that couple who you start to avoid because they keep talking about how much they love one another, which is cute, cute for a bit. And then it starts to wear thin. And then whenever there's a potluck, they bring cabbage dishes. And then they corner you to talk about how they grew the cabbage from seed for like hours. I mean, at least it seems like hours. And then you have poor Lucy and she's the linchpin in the story. Pretty much all of the other characters are tied through Lucy. She's a, what, 19 or 20 year old? She's flirtatious and charming. She's a kid who's having dreams that kids have and she's having some fun and she's trying to take care of her friend and cheer her up. And pretty soon she's gonna be tied to a husband who she may or may not be a good match for. She would not have three guys proposing to her if she were that uninteresting. And she would like to marry them all. I mean, how long would she be able to keep things going with all three? Watching her juggle those guys would be more interesting than hearing Mina mooning over Jonathan, or Jonathan mooning over Mina, or Jonathan talking about fucking cabbage again. He's fucking obsessed with cabbage. Life will be a lot more dull for them without having Lucy in it. I think Lucy should be given her deserved moment in the sun, the time before she became a vampire. Instead of focusing on Dracula and trying to make a hero out of a fucking monster, why not focus on someone like Lucy and what her life was like before and the tragedy that it turned into? She was far more interesting, more humane, and she was patient zero in the whole story. If it were a story about an epidemic, she would be the one who the story was centered around. And if somebody can write a story for the batshit crazy wife and Jane Eyre, like the wide Sargasso Sea, then they could do it for Lucy and Dracula, who was at least painted as being charming and entertaining as hell, let alone the fact that you have a built-in tragic martyr ending. On a side note, like long ago and not so far away, I had a women's lit course where we had to read Jane Eyre. And we were asked to write a blurb on the back of the book as it would be written if the book were new and they were trying to publish it today. So uh, the blurb I wrote was to have it as a historic, melodramatic style, cheesy romance novel, because that's how it would be marketed. Yeah, that did not go over well. They did not see the humor in that at all. Got a little snotty about it, quite frankly. Quick tip, don't don't do that in a women's lit course. They get pissy. Anyway, when it comes to Dracula and to the mind control, there are a few people who escape, but you wonder, are the people who were under his control, but who managed to get away, are they somehow permanently affected? Like, not just psychologically, because psychologically they're going to be affected. There's no way that someone could affect your mind that way and not have permanent after effects. But is it almost like a chemical thing where there's something left in their brain? Is there that little piece of compulsion? You know, like that last little bit of queso you're trying to like get from the jar, but you just can't reach it. But it's in someone's head. So whatever's in there it's stuck in there. Like you can't poke a hole in your brain and start prodding around for the trouble spot. I mean, not without permanent and most likely unpleasant after effects. I don't do what the guy in Pi did. It won't work that well. It's not recommended. 
And would that little piece of compulsion that's left cause them to fall under the sway of someone else? Is it something that could grow into something else and change them over time into someone different or someone more dangerous? Or are they just continually lost and drained? Or will it cause them to baa like a sheep like every time a tea kettle goes off? And would their family tell them what weird shit they're doing? Or would they just start making tea more often? Tea that's served in a fucking cabbage-shaped teapot? Bastards. So that's my take on Francis Ford Coppola's version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, Lucy does not get the respect she deserves. Lucy deserves her own story. I think we should pay a little bit more attention to Lucy. Next week, I'm planning on taking a look at a relationship or two in the book Sense and Sensibility, and probably a little bit with the movie as well. I'm also probably going to go a little bit into beauty pageants. Thank you for listening, and have a good night.